nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Tech Down Under, a podcast series about the latest developments in tech. Coming to you from Australia, we're your hosts, Greg and Satish. Satish, my man, how are you today? I am doing really good, Greg. How are you? Good. Has it been a long week for you? You you doing well? Yeah, we're doing really good. Yeah, it's been a long week. So, yeah, a couple of interesting stuff going on. So, in the day job, so it's good. Keeping busy, everyone. What about after hours? Are you still sort of feeling the pinch of lockdown? You able to get out and get some fresh air? Yeah, means at least now um, because of the uh, no restrictions on exercise, so you can do until nine p.m. But that uh, hard lockdown between nine p.m. to five a.m. still exists in our LGA. So yeah, well, you're going to be a little bit jealous perhaps because. Queensland has has been having a string of zero COVID days, so um, lucky I, guys. <laughs> I, I may I may not have told you, but I'm actually taking a couple of days off. So instead of That's... reporting to work remotely tomorrow, I'm actually driving up the coast to a place called Harvey Bay, and oh okay, and doing a a day trip on Sunday over to Fraser Island. So I'll um I'll send photos. <laughs> Absolutely, but um I've been watching I've been watching the news every day, hoping that we wouldn't have um, COVID cases appear in a snap lockdown, forcing me to sort of cancel my Airbnb and my my travel plan. So, so <laughs> touch touch wood. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, definitely. I'm going to get out of here in the morning and apart from having to wear a mask, it should be a good trip. So I thought we'd start tonight, our second podcast ever, with, um, with some tech news from the week. What did you see this week that interested you in the tech news? Uh, the first thing obviously comes to everyone's mind is an Apple event scheduled on September 15th. So hopefully we could see some new Apple devices, mainly iPhone 13 or AirPods 3 and Apple Watch Series 7. Yeah. Let's see. So, so iPhone, iPhone 13, iPhone 12 S, that'd be breaking with tradition for them, wouldn't it? Maybe. Yeah. But let's see. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, I don't know if you've been reading any news, but it's funny. They they seem to have been controlling the leaks pretty well. And I'm kind of, uh, yep. I'm kind of curious, like there's been, there's always these, these ideas and theories about what will change. And part of the community always hopes that. They're going to ditch the lightning connector and go to a USB C. What do you what do you think? Is that a is that a yes or a no? I really doubt they're gonna go to uh USB C. Because there was news saying that like the European Union were, were looking at actually sort of forcing them to, to do that. The changing laws oh, over there. But mm. but I think they'll you know, they'll they'll stick it out as long as they can. I'm I'm gonna agree with you there that they'll stick with it. There was even talk that they were testing the mag lock charging on the other one and actually thinking about getting rid of ports altogether. Do you think mm. that's I think that's a false report as well? Maybe. Yeah. But we can't say we have to wait and uh watch when, Yeah, I for mean September fifteenth in Australia. It's Let's usually see. I think it's interesting how many times watching the news and you find people actually leak designs for 
cases for the devices and when you actually look at the cases you can actually figure out what they're doing with the device absolutely so i think that's what every tech giant does so they provide the leaks so that they are in the news uh maybe before before the release itself and um uh so that the people have that anxiety to know about uh, what's coming up what's going to be the new features in their release and other stuff so yeah it's always been there everyone follows the same yeah i did i'm a little bit surprised if you look at um other smartphones other than apple a lot of them have you know going sort of edge to edge with their screens and apple have persisted with that notch at the top of the screen i did see a report that they might try and slim that down a bit what do you think you think that's going to happen uh i i really doubt the main reason being the face id um which is their proprietary stuff and i don't think so they're going to take it off so mainly because of that that notch will still be there okay because once again i think it's probably apple enthusiasts every time look at what's happening like even with samsung and other android devices where they see that other companies are quite successfully using underscreen fingerprint readers now so i think there's some apple aficionados are hoping that apple are going to bring the fingerprint reader back in that that form but I think that's probably false news. Fake news, sorry. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I I really doubt yeah. Apple is going to bring on the in I mean on-screen fingerprint sensor. Yeah. I really really doubt <laughs> that no. Apple is going to introduce that. Yeah, they might they might wait till um the technology matures a little bit more and then pretend they did it first and well, all the all the Apple fans will probably think, "Hey, my phone can do this. What about yours?" And of course, all the Android people just look at them weirdly and scratch their heads and say, "Yeah, I've had that for years." Kind of like kind that's, of, that's always been the case. Kind of like when they brought widgets in, right? They're like, "Wow, widgets! Yeah. Your phone can't do that." <laughs> um, are there any other Apple products that interest you at all? Like new Apple watches? I noticed you mentioned the AirPods. Yep, AirPods three and Apple Watch Series seven. Uh, no, nothing much. Just uh, see what's going to come up in the iPhone 13. Yeah, I suppose the other things are probably I think they would probably just be small incremental changes and improvements. Um That's, I don't don't really think there's going to they're really going to sort of try and do anything radical with that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Mate, I saw a few interesting news articles this week. Mm. I actually saw that um South Australia Power are actually using are going to use uh Boston Dynamics spot robots to actually inspect infrastructure check power poles and whatnot wow in the remote areas uh yeah so they they're kind of using it to sort of look for damage to poles and all that i think it's it's probably i'm not sure what the battery life on those things are like but it's probably just some feasibility studies i think if you were going to really have it cover a large remote area i don't think they're actually rigged with solar panels you'd kind of almost want to make it autonomous wouldn't you yeah absolutely absolutely i think uh, that's what everybody wants right it should be autonomous but i i'm pretty sure they would be piloting it in a specific area or region uh just to make sure how it is means is it fit for their purpose is it doing what it is supposed to do so maybe they're collecting the data uh before they can order a bulk so let's see how yeah. it goes okay i saw a really um i saw a funny news article Um it actually caught my eye a little bit earlier today. Do you know what a Roomba is? No. A Roomba is one of those little frisbee-shaped automatic vacuum cleaners. You know, you've seen oh, okay. them, right? Yeah. So there's been this this problem with them that sort of came to light. 
online and people would share pictures where say you've got a family who live in an apartment and you've got pets and the pet doesn't manage to hold its need to go to the toilet and drops a poop. The Roomba, the old Roombas wouldn't actually know or mm. understand that it, it shouldn't touch it and it would actually hit that and smear it all over the house. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so they've actually built, um, they've got a new model. It's the, um, where is it? It's called the Roomba J7 Plus that actually takes advantage of machine learning where they've actually trained it to be able to recognize the difference between cat and dog feces, fake and real, and are actually teaching it to actually avoid making Does a... it have a camera or something to sense or to view, um, to recognize? Yeah, I'd, it must have something. I think it, it does have cameras and it uses some form of image recognition. I, and they're even offering, and I think they're, they're kind of having a bit of fun with it as well. They're um, offering customers the um, the pet owner official promise or or poop for short that um, that this won't be a thing anymore. Their their Roombas won't won't smear um, dog crap all over the floor. But yeah, that's um it's interesting because that's you know even though it's it seems like nothing and it's a, a vacuum cleaner, it's still it's still interesting. It's still AI, right? It's it's looking yep. and, and learning from from things and changing its decisions and. And, you know, we've got that in a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. I, I, that one just caught, caught my eye. I thought that was pretty, pretty humorous. One thing that, that did interest me and, and we've, we've brought up briefly before was the fact that Windows 11 is nearly here. Yeah, that's what even everybody is after. Previously, someone in the news, they mentioned about it's going to release on October 5th. But um, there isn't any official release date yet from Microsoft. But it is definitely coming. Obviously, it's it's still in the preview, so we cannot do much of a deep dive. But uh, an overview kind of a thing uh, in today's podcast. Okay, let's do it. Uh, first of all, have you installed it yet? Yeah, I've installed it on a on my personal Windows machine. Yeah, and which is obviously compatible for an upgrade. So this has been the topic ever since uh, uh, Windows 11 is going to come, or the preview has been released. Uh, people were talking about the compatibility. So the hardware compatibility is one of the major thing, mainly with uh, with respect to the TPM chip. Uh, it must be running t- a TPM chip version 2.0. Uh, the main reason they're saying is uh, security. So they're going to improve the security, not only the uh, the UI, uh, there is a really drastic change in the UI for Windows as an operating system, but also uh, more improved uh, security on Windows 11. So I know you happen to be a bit of an expert when it comes to TPM, so maybe you could inform our listeners a little bit more about it and why it's important. So TPM, as the name stands, it is Trusted Platform Module. It's actually a chip uh, which is physically present on the on every laptop, and it's uh, it provides basically it provides hardware-based uh, security to the system. One of the other things I I saw is that they've actually set fairly drastic processor requirements for it. I mean, if you think back to Windows 10, 
you could install that on on 10 year old laptops and it wouldn't work great but it would work and one of the things that i've seen microsoft are doing here is they're kind of limiting it to probably at the earliest seventh gen uh, intel cpus um seventh and eighth gen and it's interesting because at the moment if you want to have a look at windows 11 you can change your your account in windows update to a developer and you can actually it'll then give you an option to download it and one of the things it does in the process of of downloading is it does a a health check on your pc to see whether it'll it'll work and of course as as you mentioned satish it needs to have a tpm 2.0 module but it also needs to have a compliant cpu based on what intel is saying and four-year-old laptops probably aren't going to cut it if you think back, some yep. of those are still running six six gen CPUs. From what I can read, I believe you know they they just feel that that you know there's better better security components integrated into the newer processes that they can tie into, and and they're kind of drawing a line in the sand there. There are ways uh, at the moment where if you want to look at it, you can actually bypass that. It's pretty simple. There's like a little registry key. If you search online, you can you can tweak that, and it kind of hotwires the bypass. And Microsoft do know about that. So at at the moment, they're not worried about it. They'll let you install it and look at it. But the one thing I've noticed, because I tested it on an older non-compliant laptop, it does actually stop you from being able to install Windows 11 feature updates. So you can can take a, a clean image of the latest version. You just can't update it. But it is enough to have a look at some of the features. So Absolutely. To get a feeling about how the operating system is, what changes are there from an UI, not only just from an UI point of view, uh, but in general as an operating system. Yeah. So given that you've had a little bit of a look at it, and I've probably been looking at it on and off for a few weeks, I suppose, you know, what do you think is probably the most striking feature of it or the thing that you're looking forward to? Any striking feature? I think it's more like the UI. Uh, Other than that, I think most of the things are like exactly the same as Windows 10. The actual crux of the operating system as I really don't think there is any change to it. But from a UI point of view, there was a, a definitely a drastic change. Tell me, when you look at it, what does it remind you of? <laughs> One of the things which really, really reminds me of is obviously they're trying to... I think they're trying to mimic... I would I won't say mimic. It's more like tr- they're trying to mimic Mac. Yeah. So mainly being uh, the centralizing the taskbar icons, uh, you can put it to the center. Yeah. And obviously they have given the option for the users whether you want it to move it back to the usual positions or whatever. But you can't actually change the taskbar uh, to how you like, like in Windows 10, like. You, people can actually move the taskbar to the top or to the sides. You can do that, but in Windows 11, you don't have that option. Yeah. So they don't. Yeah. I, there, there are some tweaks you can do to make it work, but in general, from an operating system point of view, you don't have such options to tweak or move your taskbars around. I know you use a Mac, so you probably left it in the middle. Um, you weren't tempted to try and. Change the setting to shift the the start button back over to the left of the screen. <laughs> no, uh, did you? Did you try it? I tried it. Yeah, I I, I tried it, but I put it back because I figured that's how they want me to experience it. So I'm going to test it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, and 
on the whole, I think it looks pretty good. It's got a lot of visual refreshes, like they've, you know, they've tidied up um, the file manager and they've, you know, put in some nice colourful icons for for your documents and pictures and programs. They've gotten yep. rid of, you know, the traditional smart tiles in the start menu. Yep. Now it just kind of shows you a series of pinned apps and certainly on the preview versions, it populates a whole bunch of ones that you may not be interested in, but... I guess it kind of did that on a vanilla install of Windows 10 with with start tiles anyway, smart tiles. Yep. There's a couple of things in it I I I think are interesting choices and I think they'll hope will catch on. So did you notice the new widget pane on the left of the screen? Yes. So you have to be signed in on a Microsoft account in order to see that if you basically opt to if you're the sort of person who just logs into your Windows and and just does it as a local account that won't work. Um, yeah. The widgets option is actually included in the, I remember it was in June or July uh, Windows 10 uh, monthly security update as a feature. Okay. So it's available in the taskbar. Uh, so you can click on it. You can get a, a view about any news around you based on your location, customized uh, thing, customized weather clock time and the new new stuff which is already there even in windows 10 but now they have they have included it as part of the operating system it's already available yeah because that was actually some of those things were there as live tiles in windows 10 weren't they yep i guess i'm a little bit disappointed that it's not more customizable it seems to be all microsoft news widgets and bits and pieces and it'll be i suppose it'll be remain to be seen whether whether there's like a store where third-party developers can create widgets and kind of allow you to use a little bit more of that that widget pane, but it almost looks like it's been designed for touchscreens. So you can you can click on an icon down the bottom to bring it up, but you can also slide your finger from the side of the screen to bring it in. Yeah, and one more thing, what we observed is also Microsoft Teams integration. So you get it as a as an app. Previously, you used to get Skype, so now there's no more Skype. Yeah, that's right. So it's right. all Teams, Teams desktop application. Because Microsoft put that, that Meet Now option on Windows and yeah, I have noticed it does tend to launch Skype. And I guess that's part of you know a latest push. If you're a Teams user, you might have seen the app suggesting to you to use it for personal use as well and, and can go and install a personal account as well. So I guess that's them deciding that they don't want to be friends with Skype anymore and just try and use Teams for everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the features I did like that I saw was the um, the screen snapping. If you're if you're the sort of person who likes to drag your window to the side of the screen and then have it automatically uh, choose to fill the other side, you've got a lot more options now. You can click on an icon up where the minimize maximize are, and you can actually choose a screen layout. So you can have you know one quarter of your screen with one thing. You can have you then choose the apps that go in the other four quarters. You can have half a screen on one, two on the other. I think that's a cool feature. Yeah, yeah that's really good. That's called the Snap Layout. Yes. And uh, that that is really, really good, actually. So when you are actually switching between uh, uh, an external monitor to the, to the laptop view, it actually remembers your um, uh, the Snap Layout. Yep. And it will automatically adjust your snap layout as soon as you comes back and connects to your external monitor. And then as soon as you disconnect from the external monitor, everything will come back to your uh, uh, 
uh, your laptop monitor layout or it fits to your screen yeah uh, resolution and other stuff so we, we, yeah which is really good which is really good i think people are going to like it and if you have like big dell 49 inch 4k wide screen kind of a setup yeah so so most of the people at least now they are having 27 inch screens so yeah i saw a feature in there that i think you're really you're personally really going to enjoy uh, it's it's definitely catering to the power users because I know you're a, a bit of a fan of PowerShell. In the past, uh, if you're launching PowerShell Windows or DOS prompts and all that, you'd have to launch each one in a separate window. But there's actually a new thing called the Windows Terminal. Um, if you haven't looked at it yet, have a look. But when you start it up, it actually gives you the ability to be able to nest extra sessions in it, almost like tabs in a browser. So it enables you to actually start up um, separate PowerShell sessions, DOS prompts, and also Azure Cloud Shells. So you can do all that and have them all nested in one, which is which is a lot tidier when it comes to, to doing all those sorts of things on your desktop. Yeah, admin-related tasks, yeah. Have you had a look? Uh, no, no, not quite. You're not gonna... quite. I've just installed it. I haven't looked at it much, so you, you're gonna love definitely going to be playing around with that one. Yeah, yeah you're for gonna, sure. You're going to love that feature. <laughs> Because <laughs> I know you're a you're a big PowerShell fan. Um, Absolutely, yes, I am. So, so here's we've arrived to the controversial part of our Windows 11 chat. Is anyone really going to want it? Now, the reason I say this is because Microsoft's got a bit of a curse happening where every second release of their operating system generally gets shunned for various reasons. I don't know what are those reasons. Is it because they take a chance on their visual redesign? What do you think? Ah, that's a it's a big question, right? It's yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a big question not just for personal use. I think personal use yeah, people will definitely would like to try the new operating system and they're definitely going to uh, install because it's free, uh, free upgrade for an existing um, uh, Windows 10 customer. That's as long as you don't need to buy a new laptop to make it work, right? Yeah, obviously. So if your laptop is compatible, obvi- um, yeah. yeah. If, then if, if you haven't then got a CPU that's up to mustard, like you could be in a position where your license says go, but your CPU says no, right? Yeah, th- that's a bit of a backlash, but yeah, let's see how this goes. But from a personal use point of view, whoever has got their laptops or devices which are compatible and ready for upgrade, they are definitely going to upgrade it to Windows 11 and they're going to use it. Yeah. And and the question comes mainly from an enterprise point of view. Yes. So one of the things uh, Microsoft is saying for Windows 11 is uh, because at this point in time, everything is hybrid. Yes. So it's not like uh, uh, only on-prem kind of a stuff. It's all like hybrid. So you have got Microsoft 365. Uh, every Most of the enterprises are running Microsoft 365, mostly. So so it's all like hybrid kind of a setup and Windows 11 is is going to work like a champ for hybrid kind of a setup that's what they're they're claiming. Yeah. So maybe from an enterprise point of view uh we need to see how how it's going to play uh for the enterprise to move from Windows 10 to Windows 11 considering you still have got four more years of um, uh support available for Windows 10. Yeah, and I guess... Or depending on your Windows 10 version, like LTSB kind of a thing, if you are there, you'll get further support. But let's see how the enterprise will respond 
uh, once the operating system has been released and then matured over the coming years and then obviously maybe enterprise might still look for it yeah i mean i suppose traditionally we've seen especially large companies with with lots and lots of computers usually pretty much run up against the clock when it comes to changing operating systems you know i know some areas of queensland government for example were paying to try and extend their service contract with uh, microsoft for windows 7 because they hadn't even begun to consider how they could get some of their legacy systems working on, on Windows 10. Because, you know, when you're dealing with lots of custom software developers who've made software for old stuff, or you might even have companies, you know, who have software that have gone out of print, there might not be new products for those. You know, it's, it's not great from a security perspective, but you can kind of see why some businesses hold back on actually, you know, deploying the latest and the greatest. And that's yeah. There is there is obviously for for an enterprise the major challenge is going to be the application compatibility uh, with the new release of any operating system for that matter. So I think Microsoft has got this App Assure. So App Assure is, I think most of the enterprises would definitely be eligible for App Assure. They can they are free to submit their requests for any application compatibility issues. They can check with Microsoft. Microsoft is going to help them in uh, uh, giving them the details about what exactly needs to be modified or changed within the application to make it work for Windows 11. So App Assure is definitely going to be something which can help enterprises to move to Windows 11. Yeah, that's good. That's that's a great idea. I think it's it's important and kind of puts a little bit of onus back on other software suppliers that where you can actually check that stuff early and make sure it's going to work and and you know get your third-party suppliers you know on board and making sure they're upgrading this software in a timely manner yeah um, so whoever has got more than 150 plus seats then they definitely can means it's all free means they're eligible for aperture they can free to they're free to submit the requests and microsoft will definitely help they did help uh, even when enterprises are migrating from Windows 7 to Windows 10. Okay. So the, the Apache is still there, so they can definitely help. The only other thing that I'm expecting, given that we do sort of function in an enterprise environment, is the first thing that we're going to have to change on every computer is move the start button over to the left. <laughs> because I just, because, you know, you know, I think it's new and cool. You're a, you're a Mac user, so you're okay with it, but... I think for the majority of people who just want to keep working the way they're working and not have to try and yeah. think about and interpret how it's supposed to look now and where they have to click, I think. And that's probably the main reason why Microsoft made it easier to change it back because I think at the end of the day, especially now that that private people are using smart devices like phones and iPads and tablets a lot more than they're using personal computers, I think the the lion's share of, of Windows licenses out there are actually being used by companies and enterprise. And I think any time that you make a change that's going to alienate your largest um, user base, I think, user base. I think yes. it's, it's, it's not a great idea. And I think in the past when, you know, they went to Windows uh, 8 with the, you know, with the live tiles, you know, and then very quickly erase that with 8.1 and allowed you to go back to a, a standard start menu. Anytime you make those sorts of radical changes, I think you're, you're you're basically taking a risk. But hopefully, this time they've made it look a little bit better, and 
they haven't changed it too radically. Yeah. And, and hopefully business will be able to adapt in a timely manner rather than waiting until their Windows 10 um, support is about to expire. End of support, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, even that's what I think. So, But it is definitely means the initial release is obviously going to have some kind of bugs. So over the time, they're going to fix it, and whether it may be a feature update or or a security update or whatever it is. So obviously in a feature update, they're going to fix most of those issues. So that's why enterprises, I don't think so, they'll immediately go, but they'll definitely might go considering uh, the other support options and other stuff. And App Assure yeah. uh, would definitely help them to and like take you, the journey. And like you said, the code base hasn't really deviated that far from Windows 10. You know, it's, you know, and and as opposed to in the past Windows, you know, Windows 10 has had fairly significant feature updates every six months. It's just that to the average user, they don't really appear to be that big. But if you're sort of looking at it under the bonnet, there have actually been, there's been a pretty pretty good progression in terms of Windows 10 over over the initial release where they've been adding features and changing stuff. And of course, yeah, with absolutely. that, there's been there's been a constant stream of bugs that they've had to patch as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it will always be there uh, with any operating system. So, yeah. But I know you're a, you're a bit of a security fan and any change that they make that forces a situation where, where the thing is going to be more secure and run better, uh, I think that's a good change. Absolutely, absolutely. I think given the situations where we are in and the kind of environments we are working in, uh, so, yeah, definitely security will take the priority. And any operating system which provides better security and usability, then obviously it's a it's a go. Absolutely. One thing I also observed is about Android applications for Windows 11. Yeah, but but there is a strange thing. In order to do that, you've got to use the Amazon app. Amazon. Store? Yeah. Yeah. So that know. that that's what even I heard. Um, I mean, based on the documentation available uh, for us. Uh, I didn't get a chance to look at those options in the preview. Uh, I didn't. Get, I didn't get much time to look at that, but that's that's the way is through that, Amazon. Is, is that something you'd use though? Uh, unless that application is not available in the Windows Store or as an application for Windows, yeah, then we might. Otherwise, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's cool that they're doing it, and they've been. You know, cases in the past where third-party products like BlueStacks that you can install on Windows now have been able to run run um, side-loaded applications. And I guess time will tell whether it will be useful, but I think it's them trying to, to pinch back a little bit of the app market from smartphones when, I mean, at the end of the day, people are probably just going to use those apps on their smartphones, to be honest. <laughs> but like yeah. you said, it's, you know, it's a free feature that's baked in and it'll be interesting to see how it gets used and what it's good for. Absolutely. Let's wait and see. Let's wait. Anyway, mate, we might wrap it up there. We've, I think we've talked the hell out of Windows Windows 11 and um, well, I guess we'll both be watching eagerly to see if they change a lot in their release and, and how it's sort of received and, you know, in the first few days, you know, how many bug releases they, they release. <laughs> yeah, but, absolutely. Um, I'm waiting for it. Once, there once, will definitely be, so there's no doubt about it, so there will definitely be there. So have you had fun with your second ever Tech Down Under podcast? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. 